With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, Michelle Claire. Michelle, how are you tonight? I am doing wonderful. How are you tonight, Patricia? I'm doing great. We had a couple of warm days. Here it is, February 23rd. We are ready for spring, but as you know... Winter is making a return tomorrow night. Snow is coming back here in the Berkshires. Oh. We could do without it. We really could. <laughs> but you're on the chilly side also in Gilbert, huh? Oh, yeah. Exactly. We're at about 50 degrees today. So for the Phoenix area, that's cool. But it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to have a little winter. Wow. That's winter. For us, that's a heat wave, 50 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> for you right? it's winter it's all relative yeah for me, all it's winter. perspective we're, oh that's so yeah, funny we're in our uggs and our and our big jackets today right <laughs> here in arizona <laughs> and i walked outside without a jacket on so you do get used to it you do get used to it really really strange but that does happen well we've got a great show tonight but before we introduce our magnificent guests and this is going to be a really really exciting show what is happening with you you just had a gathering right you did a a gallery reading was it on sunday and how did that go oh my gosh it was wonderful i was actually working at the phoenix psychic fair and i we had oh my gosh a bunch of people i think i did about 24 readings that day and it was just fun it was good energy lots of things for people to look at and then this um, Monday coming up, I'll have a group reading online. And for people in the Phoenix area on March 6th, they can buy tickets to an event I'm doing in Scottsdale where I'll be doing a group reading for the first hour and a half. And then the second is sound and energy healing. And it's so good. Wow. What, and what do you use for the sound part? Do you use crystal bowls or what happens with that? Um, yeah, so they actually bring, oh my gosh, probably over a hundred pieces of um, musical equipment. So bowls and gongs and all sorts of things like bells and, and um, yeah. And so they do the, the sound, everyone lays down, they do the sound and then 
my friend Denise, she does energy healing. So she calls in your angels, your life guides, all the people connected to you. It is a phenomenal experience. Oh, that sounds great. That sounds great. So for everybody in the audience who's just getting to know Michelle, Michelle is an extremely talented psychic medium. She's been on our show twice before when PK was well and she was with us. And, Michelle, you did a fantastic job. Everybody loved your readings. So I'm so thrilled to have you with me as a co-host because you're great and you always offer such incredible insight to all of our topics. So I also want to mention that we've got great stories on our Facebook page. Make sure that you like us, follow us there, as well as on Twitter, so you can keep up with all of the stuff that's happening in the world today. So many sightings. You know this. You've been listening to the show regularly. I always say the same thing because that's what's happening. Everybody's got their cell phones out, and they're getting incredible footage of things in the sky. So take a look at some of the stories and some of the the older photos are resurfacing, and they're quite incredible. They're very, very clear. You can really see a ship. I know a lot of the ones that we see in the sky today are flashing lights or orbing lights. Some of the older ones, though, there's, there is no mistaking that that's a ship in the sky. So go to the Facebook page. You'll see lots of things there that you can read and look at and videos to watch. I also posted something that's kind of on the fun side. As you may know, if you listen to our show with Paul Blake Smith, he talked a lot about Jackie Gleason. And Jackie was a huge UFO fan, which I didn't even know. Did you know that, Michelle? I didn't. No, not until we did the show. It was amazing. Yeah, I was so surprised. I wish he was alive. We'd have him on the show today. But he had a UFO house built in New York State, in the woods somewhere. And guess what? It's on the market. You can own this house for just a mere $12 million. And <laughs> on our Facebook page, <laughs> if you don't have the $12 million, you can at least have a digital tour. It is on our Facebook page. You can see a video. There's also pictures of it. There is the larger home that Jackie called the mothership and then the smaller cottage, which Jackie called the scout ship. So it is an amazing, amazing work of art, just the detail of everything that he had done with this house. It's, it's quite something. And I believe the guy who bought it got it for around 150000 So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he got quite the bargain, didn't he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> so you can see the photos and see the video. It's on our Facebook page. It's attracting a lot of attention. So that's where it is, if you want to see it. And also a couple of other books I want to mention to you. One is Lon Duquette's book, My Life with the Spirits. I love that book. It is laugh-out-loud funny, but it's his personal experience becoming a magician. And he is an occult expert, and we've had him on the show so many times, and each time he has us absolutely rolling on the floor. He's just hilarious. And that book, even though it's an older book, is just tremendous. I'm hoping to someday get him an audiobook deal with it because it's great. And we also have a very interesting book translated from Old German, the Opus Mego Kabbalisticum. We had it translated from Old German to English, first time ever, 
and that is also available. It is it is collector's edition. It's really beautiful. If you're looking for a nice gift for somebody who's into these kinds of things, that's a great gift. And you can find it on Amazon. So, tonight, we're going to be talking about wish-fulfilling with a Chintamani crystal. Now, I've never even heard of this before. Have you, Michelle? This is my first time with this. I'm, yeah, mine too. I'm really excited. Well, this just sounds so stupendous. So, our guests are going to tell us all about it. So, space, time, intention, matter, and consciousness all entangle in crystals. So nowhere is this more evident than in the ancient gem archetype of the Chintamani, the wish-fulfilling jewel known in legends around the world as the stone that grants your heart's desire. Now, the experts with us tonight, John Dennis Govert and Happy Hara Reveal, Chintamani's, I can't even pronounce this, tachyolithic, I think I got it, tachyolithic technology of wish granting and spiritual enlightenment creates a vehicle for positive transformation. My God, we all need some positive transformation today. So they're going to tell us how the Chintamani energy matrix can be accessed using tangible crystals and gemstones, meditation, yoga, and the powerful science of intention. Now, John Dennis is a feng shui consultant, astrologer, author, and dharma teacher. He's a yogi and guru of the profound path of spiritual liberation. He holds the lineage of three dharma traditions and is a practitioner of several mystic arts called Tao or ways that are parallel paths and support, supports of spiritual development. John Dennis has been involved in a number of traditional Chinese medicine colleges and is a practitioner of key healing systems. Our other guest tonight is the lovely Happy Hara. She is a crystal energy consultant, also an astrologer, Reiki practitioner, teacher, and author who blends the science of chemistry and crystallography with the subtle energetic properties of crystals. Tapping into the ancient alchemical practice of crystal astrology, she identifies crystals that strategically heal, balance, and empower points in a person's chart and chakras. And they are both the authors of this beautiful book, The Chintamani Crystal Matrix, Quantum Intention and the Wish-Fulfilling Gem. So welcome to the show, Happy and John Dennis. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. We're, we're very happy to be here. Absolutely. Well, we happy. want to know. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. And now, what was it that drew you in to the Chintamani Wish Fulfilling Crystal? What What was it that said, we've got to write about this? Well, one of the things that... Um, that drew us to it was um, we were both working at um, a resort and we were doing, um, you know, different presentations for people. And so we developed this theme and uh, then it just kept going because we kept looking for um, more depth and we kept getting led to investigate something else and, Every lecture, we just added something more and more, 
And then it just became obvious that we needed to write a book about it because uh, it's a subject that um, is everywhere. If you, you know, the, this Chintamani or, or wish-fulfilling gem is represented all over the world, and we had no idea when we started that that was the case. Well, you know, to make this a little bit more personal, I mean, in, here in Arizona, we're, we're, we're both, we both live in Tucson, Arizona. We actually have the world's largest gem and mineral show in Tucson, Arizona, and one of them just ended. And, um, and there was a moment, you know, that happened uh, probably about six years ago where we were in the room of a, um, of a tektite dealer, and tektites are you know, crystals that have been impacted by meteorites or meteorite impact glass. And it's the same material that moldavite's made out of, saffrodite, and, and, they're, and they're very collectible. And people say that they have these, like, very transformative energies in them. Well, we were in this room, and we were, work, we were you know, uh, interacting with this, um, this gentleman who was from Eastern Europe, and, um, and he was selling... Um, you know, pieces of like saffrodite, which is tectite glass from Arizona, and then he's selling moldavite and stuff. And, and, and we were all talking about the Chintamani crystal, and he was talking about it quite a bit. And something really hit, that, hit at that moment for me is that, is that um, we, like all of us who are obsessed with crystal energy and are buying crystals and that, that we need to go deeper into the spiritual essence of what the Chintamani is in crystals. And that, I think it was at that moment that both John Dennis and I realized, you know, people don't even know that this word exists. They don't know what the Chintamani is. And, and we're all looking for it, but, but the Chintamani expresses the spiritual essence within the crystals and within ourselves. And that was really the real reason we wrote the book is because it's kind of in front of us, but we're kind of missing it. And a lot of people didn't know what it was. And, um, it come, and, it, and it's, um, really it's a term that comes from ancient Sanskrit that's been around for thousands of years, and yet we barely know that it's here. It's fascinating. But is this like one type of stone, or is this spiritual essence in all the crystals? I mean, I, I think that there is spiritual essence in all crystals. But just like human beings, some crystals may, be, may have actually older souls and may have more advanced, um, uh, let's see, crystallography and, and even advanced wisdom than other crystals that may be younger. Okay? And, and I actually experienced this. I, I don't know, it was like a couple of weeks ago, I bought this, this new aquamarine crystal I got in the gem show. And what was so interesting about this aquamarine is that it kind of called me to it. And I even put it down, walked away, and it called me back, okay? And I, <laughs> then I bought it, and I, and I brought it home, and then I was, do, I was working with it in um, a meditative practice doing mantras with John Dennis. And what happened with this aquamarine is that it woke up while we were doing the practice. And all of a sudden, the energy came alive. And, and I had this realization, it's like, this is the first time this crystal has been awake like this. Like it was like huh. our practices woke the energy up in the crystal. 
Wow. So before that, that moment, it was, it was kind of dormant. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, if it was just dormant. I wonder if that's true, then, of a lot of crystals, if their energy just is dormant until you do a specific practice. I, is that the I case? I've encountered that frequently, but I don't think there's just, like, one answer to that either. I think that... Um, there, I think it depends on your chemistry with the crystal. I remember crystals are all about chemistry, and so your chemistry is going to interact with other crystals, and you might interact with some differently than I would. And, um, and I think it depends on the crystal. I think it depends on you. I think it depends on the practice. I think there's a lot of variables. Yeah, that makes sense. It would have to because, like you're saying, the crystals have their own individual personalities, I guess you'd call it. So, but this one, this aquamarine called to you. Now, I've heard aquamarine can turn tears into joy. Have you heard that? I know that you're a crystal expert. So, what is aquamarine for? Well, aquamarine is one of the crystals for, like, say, the sign of Pisces. It's actually connected with Pisces astrologically. So, it's like a a water crystal. It works with the water element really well. So, it's interesting that you're using that that particular phrase, turning tears into joy because you're dealing with water. And, and mm-hmm. aquamarine is really good and useful for, um, for healing and, um, and, and for healing especially states of emotion. But, you know, crystals will work on three levels. First, they work on your healing. And then once you're healed, they'll work on balancing you. And then once you're balanced, it's going to empower you. And so notice in that phrase, it goes from healing you all the way to going to a, 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 a state of or expression of more feelings of happiness or joy, an elevated state. So it went from healing you mm-hmm. to an elevated state. And, um, and so, so an aquamarine crystal, an aquamarine is really like a blue barrel. It's related to the emerald. And it's, so it's very much about bringing harmonic order back into your, like, say, your emotional state to bring you into an emotional balance state. But, you know, it's also been associated with, you know, the fountain of youth, and it's also associated with the mermaid, so you're, you're flowing freely in, the, in your watery depths instead of feeling like you're emotionally blocked. You're, 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 you're moving freely through your emotions. So aquamarine is a really powerful crystal, but it also works subtly. It's a subtle energy, so you don't feel like like it's intense, like it's working gradually over a longer period of time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I really like that anti-aging part. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what we I'm need gonna, to get. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to dust some of mine off and bring them right out so I can work with them again. No, and they're beautiful stones. They are really a beautiful, beautiful shade of that blue-green so tell us more about the Chintamani. And, and again, what is this? Is this a, a kind of a stone you can go out and purchase because it's special in some way? I mean, or is this, again, is it anything can become the Chintamani? How does this work? Well, we, you know, came across three different ways to connect with the Chintamani. So it, 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 the chinta means like intention, in, intending uh, from Sanskrit, and mani means Chris, or, uh, gem or jewel. So um, it can be called the wish-fulfilling gem. It can be called 
the mind gem or the intending jewel. Uh, so it has all of those possibilities. Um, and in history, uh, it's actually come across as different gems. So if you go into the Hindu mythology, uh, the very first story about it is called the Churning of the Milk Ocean. And one of and a, a Chintamani comes forward from you know from the efforts of the gods and the anti gods and we get this uh, gem called the Kasuba. And this gem the main thing about the Chintamani is that it is good for everybody. But over time People will like one like what one of these like let's say it's a great gem they'll want a chintamani but but they'll use it for themselves and they won't use it for the benefit of all beings so um, we find you know we find through time that there are great gems let's say that are chintamani's and then we find also that there's a network of great gems. And if you tap into this, you know, um, it, it could be considered to be like the, the, the Chintamani network. And so um, that used to be called, in, in like in, in both in Hinduism and Buddhism, called the net of Indra. And it's like, you know, you can conceive of it as like this net and that every node of this net that goes infinitely throughout time and space there's a gem. There's a gem that's there. So it's like activating the, the entire network of gems that there are. So it has that meaning too. And then the third meaning it has is that you yourself are, uh, you know, you have this quality of possibly becoming, waking the Chintamani within yourself, within your own, let's say, crystalline nature or um, primordial nature. And so... Um, when you do, you have this endless compassion for all beings, and you know you're not you're working for other people's benefits as well as your own. But but you are you know you are um, looking out for all other beings, and that's a quality of you know being a chintamani bearer. So how how does one tune in to this network? I mean, do you have to reach a certain level of consciousness to be able to do that? I, I don't think so. I mean, um, Happy will talk about this in a second, too, but I think one of the uh, important ways you do is that if you have some crystal, so just start with a, um, you know, a clear quartz crystal that you've got, and then you establish some resonance with that, and then you can... Um, Essentially, just you know, take take some take some time to relax, breathe, uh, connect with it, and you'll energize this crystal because it'll get warmer, and you'll know when it's sort of more connected. And then you can do uh, intentionality, and you can do visualization that's that can go with it, and you could also support that with mantra. And you can support it with, you know, movement. You can support it with, you know, uh, adding sound, um, the bells and 
you know, Tibetan bells and um, any other kind of, you know, sacred music. And all of those will put you into a state uh, to be able to connect to that network that's naturally existing throughout the universe. Hmm. And you know, and I'll just I'll just add on to this too. Is like you know, a lot of a lot of people who work in crystal energy, or like I've I've kind of encountered like people collecting crystals and real don't realize that they're that sort of the science behind quartz crystal. You know, if you can take a, a quartz, any any crystal that is made of quartz is pyroelectrical, and you can warm it up in your hands and even rub it. It's almost like a worry stone, and once it's once you have some heat on it and you put some friction on it, it starts sending out like a like a wavelength, you know, like a harmonic wavelength. And what that harmonic wavelength does is actually like harmonize your heartbeat and the rhythms of your body. And this is why they put quartz in clocks and watches because it's a harmonic, okay? And so mm-hmm. it harmonizes what we're doing, and then it helps you to go into a meditative state faster and longer and deeper because now you're tuning in to the harmonic wavelength of the of the crystal but it's your own bioelectrical field and the energy coming from your hands that's actually turning it on so working with crystals is a is a is a two-way street like you're turning them on and then reacting to the minerals that are in them and like even the you know, the crystalline shapes, like at the molecular level, that's all, they're in the crystals too. So there's actually science behind this. And, um, and so I think that's also like kind of getting into the more the technical aspect of like how you actually work with crystals and how do they actually operate and are they actually creating a wavelength or a frequency? You know, and science can actually say yes to that. Yeah, it is creating that frequency. So... When now, obviously, you are both extremely experienced with working with crystals, and I'm sure you teach other people how to do this. But what are some of the things that happen when people tune in to the Chintamani uh, grid of crystals? What is the kind of thing that takes place? Well, I um, so I. I work at a resort, and um, I do crystal energy sessions and astrogemology sessions, and I, I do this um, uh, weekly. I, I, I see lots of people, so I, I've been able to kind of work, work with this for a long time. And two of my sessions, one of them actually is like I help them build like a medicine wheel. So we actually are building a, a grid, and, they, and they're, using, they're, they're doing selections based on, ha- on not just picking with their eyes, but also feeling with their hands the energy um, with their eyes closed and using these other, these other um, ways of picking them. And I, and I have noticed over a period of time that people are attracted to minerals that their body is actually, are actually craving, okay? And mm. so, um, and then once they pick that, we kind of gri- create this like grid of four, like a medicine wheel, and I even instruct them to, you know, take this and they place themselves in the middle of the wheel and place the crystals around them in, in the four directions and to even bring in um, and to merge those four crystals together in their heart and create like a spirit stone with those four crystals, you know, like using like meditative techniques. Now, 
in, in myself working with that particular technique and, and have guided others, it is truly amazing what we invent or what we're creating in conjunction with these crystals. And I even call this like the spirit stone or your sacred stone, but it is like creating a chintamani in the mind, um, you know, based on things that you're connecting with an earth. Um, and so, so it kind of reeling back to your original question, what I've also noticed in just people just holding a quartz crystal um, even for like two minutes, four minutes, five minutes, like it's not even a, it's a short period of time. I notice people like, like open up emotional channels very, very rapidly. Like they start spontaneously crying and don't know why. Or they're having like these meditative visionary experiences and seeing colors. And it's like it's unblocking channels or intuition in them. Um, and they weren't able to achieve that until they started holding the quartz crystal. So I have seen remarkable things go on with, with quartz, just, just quartz crystal alone. And then that's, um, that's one practice I do. And then the other one, which is astrogemology, actually goes a lot deeper. And that's like aligning crystals with, um, with, diff- with, with the different planetary archetypes and then kind of going deep, deeper into how can you use the crystal to help uh, you know, balance the karma of, of what's going on with that planet in one's chart? And, and that's wow. based on a practice that's thousands of years old. That goes back to the Vedic traditions in India. That's what they do in India. They prescribe mm. crystals based upon what's going on in your chart. Yes, I've heard of that. And, it's, and that, to me, is extremely fascinating. I know gemstones are a big part of Vedic astrology. And is that something, then, that you do in your practice also? Yeah, I do a variation of that. I don't do... I don't read um, like Vedic charts, but I use I read Western charts. But I bring in the practice of associating the planets and the positions with crystals, and it, it gets very detailed. And I call I consider it alchemical astrology. So what I'm always what I'm telling what I tell people about this practice is that the the astrological reading is like is diagnostic. But the use of the crystals is the cure, all right? So, so you get your diagnostic reading with the astrology, but then what do you do? You need something to help you shift or balance or heal those energies, and that's where the crystals come to play. And so it's dealing with alchemy. How do you shift and transform the, the, this imprint that is inside of you? And so that's what the Vedic astrologers are doing. They're giving you the medicine to work with. And what it's doing is it's working with your bioelectrical field. You're wearing crystals because it's, 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 it's shifting the subtle energies of your bioelectrical field. So instead of taking like vitamins or prescriptions internally, you're wearing the minerals instead. So they're like vitamins for your auric field. I like that. It beats having to take yeah. a handful of vitamins. <laughs> and they last longer, too. They sure do. Well, it's, and I love this term you're using, this alchemical astrology. It's, it sounds so powerful and effective because it really does transform some of the energy that you may feel uh, up against, blocked by. 
or karmically, it's following you around. So this can actually break through some of those things, right? Uh, yes, and and this is where the Chintamani piece comes into play for here because I'm always telling people, don't think of the crystal as being just a magic talisman, okay? Like, in other words, you wear it and it's going to do everything for you. It's actually your interface with the crystal that is the cure. And, and so when you wear a crystal, especially if you're doing, like, this alchemical work, when you put it on, you know why you're putting on, and you tell the crystal what you need it to do for you, okay? So it's like you're getting into mind over matter, and matter does not get into a more pure state than in crystalline form. So so that's what you're doing when you're wearing, so like going back to the aquamarine, if you need emotional healing and you're wearing aquamarine, you look you look at that crystal and you make a connection with it through your heart and your mind and you talk to the crystal, I mean, lovingly, too, and say, I need help with this. I need, this is what I need you to do. Can you help me with this? And then you put it on. And then you know why you're wearing it. And then you and the crystal are shifting the field together. Now, does this also work, Happy, uh, when it comes to physical ailments? or, you know, some type of an accident that leaves people with a disability. Do the crystals help to repair that as well, or is it only for consciousness raising? No, they can help with um, physical stuff, too. I have to be careful here because I'm not a medical doctor, okay? So, you know, right. I, I'm going just to say, just say that up front. But th- this is my experience with it. I've, I've, sometimes I've had clients come in. They come in for a reading. They just sprained their foot. They're hobbling around, okay? And, um, mm-hmm. and so I've told them, I, I've even given them small pieces of quartz, told them to tape it to their sprained ankle, and then they came back to me the next day and said, I cannot believe it, but that took care of the problem. Like, it, the swelling went down, you know? And, you know, and so you, you, can use, you can use quartz to help you with, like, say, inflammation, for calming down anxiety, for heart arrhythmia. It's really good to wear quartz over the heart because it, it, it harmonizes the ticking of your heart just like it would a clock or a watch. And, um, mm-hmm. and so you can use, you can use crystals um, for, like, say, certain, you know, physical conditions. Um, and I'm not saying it's just a magic cure for everything and it's going to work more subtly. And I think some people work better with it than others. But um, the other thing, too, is I've noticed, like, some people who have a hard time absorbing, like, say, iron or calcium, they'll come into my office and they are unconsciously picking all the crystals that have, like, say, iron or calcium in them. And so that kind of immediately tells me, oh, they need this particular you know, they need they need this mineral, and sure enough, I'll find out that they can't absorb it. So I always tell them, well, if you're having problems absorbing it, then wear it instead, because then you're absorbing at a whole other level. Right, right. Now, one of the things that I've heard about for Vedic astrology is people really like that type of astrology. But when it comes to having to purchase the gemstones that will make a difference, they can be kind of pricey. I mean, if somebody says to you, well, you need an Alexandrite, well, uh, that's a lot of money. So how do you help people deal with that? 
You just get a small what? stone, or what do you do? Well, I mean, okay, so I, I might have a slightly different perspective on this, okay? So, I mean, mm-hmm. um, first of all, there are, there, are, there are always alternatives, okay? So I'm the queen of alternative crystals. You know, so whenever I see, like, something that's out of somebody's price range, I can come up with a bunch of alternatives, okay? Oh, that's good. And, um, that's good. And then the other thing, too, is that just because a crystal is not as pretty as another one does not, in my opinion, make it less relevant. In fact, sometimes ugly, boring crystals may actually have more, more energetic power. And, um, no kidding. And so wow. I, 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 I've told people, like, be less concerned about the price and more about the chemistry you have with the crystal. Like, mm-hmm. if it brings you joy, if, it, if when you look at it, you are making a connection with it, and, um, and you, yeah, like, yeah, it's almost like, sometimes you know when you meet people and you have, like, this chemistry with them, crystals are the same way. If you've got chemistry with it, that's the crystal for you. It's, right. it's not so much about the clarity and the, the price it costs and how well it's cut sometimes. Sometimes it's really about the energy you have with it. I mean, frankly, you could go on a beach and pick up a beach rock and have chemistry with it and have a great time with that crystal, Okay. Mm-hmm. There's free yeah. rocks out in nature that are just as powerful as anything in, um, you know, you'll encounter in a jewelry store. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, that makes sense. Sure. Now, when you work with someone, so you do their astrological chart first, and then you help them with the, let's call it the crystal treatment, um, for the right stones that would help to mitigate some of the more difficult energies they're encountering. And then how long of a time period does that go for? Is that something they do for the rest of their lives, like you're going to be wearing rose quartz over your heart for this one, or is it time sensitive? You can only, you only have to do it for a couple of weeks. Um, well, it's a, it's, it's a little bit time sensitive. You know, in your, in your natal chart, you have that imprint your whole life and there's going to be a set of crystals that never changes but what changes it's not your imprint it's your reaction to that imprint and then at certain times in your life parts of that imprint may get more highlighted than other times so like i mean even earlier today i was dealing with somebody who was in the middle of a saturn return and i so i told her i said these there's there was like three crystals i said you need to be working with for the next two years and I said, so you, you need to get these right now, work with them for two years, because you're going through this longer Saturn period of time that can be kind of difficult. And I said, these crystals are more important right now than they, w- than they were, like, say, five years ago. And so there are certain ones that, depending on what's going on in your, in your astrological transits, are going to be more highlighted than others. I see. Yeah, that makes sense. Gosh. Well, this now how do people get a hold of you if they would like to do this type of work on themselves? Uh, well, I have, um, we both have, so both John Dennis and I are astrologers. I mean, I kind of specialize in the crystal astrology, and John Dennis does, he does Chinese astrology, which gets very elemental and alchemical too, and he also does um, 
you know, like Western astrology, and I do Western astrology, and our contact information is on our website, um, which is the it's just chintamanimatrix.com. Okay, that's great. I've already had a bunch of texts from people asking, how, how can I get this? It, crystals are just beautiful and fascinating, and it's amazing the power that they hold. But I think a lot of people don't understand how this works. So I think your book is very important in explaining this. And also, this whole piece about connecting to these other Chintamani crystals, like it's like a grid of wish-fulfilling crystals, which I can imagine makes everything much more powerful, your intention, your manifestation. So how does one connect with this larger oversoul of crystals? I think you, um, well, you have to center yourself, and you start with the, you start with a particular crystal that you're drawn to. So you know you've got you've got like a strong resonance to this particular crystal, um, and then you know you just uh, gently you know breathe and connect with the crystal. But as as you do that, um, what happens is that you can you you uh, as Happy said you'll start to you can start to get imagery or sensations or things like that. And then um, you can direct your intention to, like, connect to the net, in a sense. You know, so um, you you may have a vision when you when you're uh, ho- holding the crystal and and um, quieting yourself and opening up. You may have a, a a sensation of this mass of crystals throughout the universe, or you might you, you might just have uh, you just might have a feeling you know because people have different you know their their psychic senses are either seeing or feeling or uh, sensing hearing you know one of those senses will take will take over and however it communicates to you you will have this sensation of like a larger a lar- that you're connected to a larger whole. Uh, and it's usually, po- you know, very positive. I think one of the strongest um, senses I had of this network was um, the, the um, Mitchell Hedges crystal skull came through Phoenix a couple times a few oh, years gosh. ago. Oh, gosh. You got to see that. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually, we, uh, we, uh, we both got to see it. And... Uh, I think one of the important things for me was one time I was I was I was just seated in the room and um, I had this I just asked the question it's like well what what is this connected to and then I had the I had the sense of all of the crystal skulls but but not just the crystal skulls all of the all the powerful gems in the in the universe really but certainly in the world. And uh, and then I even had a sense of the, the crystals that were being held, you know, in, in people's safes that they that they didn't want to like, you know, uh, in, include any contact with anybody. But it's like all of them are alive and uh, and sort of intercommunicating. Well, so, since uh, you met this crystal skull, let me just ask you because there's been a lot of sure. 
uh, a lot of theories as to what this skull is. What do you think it is? You've had direct contact. I would say that um, both of us were skeptical a little bit, and we both had done research about the skulls, but we weren't going to include it in the book. Then the Mitchell Hedges crystal skull came through town, you know, and so we both went to that, and we both had really powerful interactions with it. Um, and um, it, it, they were very palpable, and they were direct, and I'll let ha Happy describe hers because they were also pretty incredible. But the, the, one of the major senses I had was that my body was actually a crystal. You know, it felt like it was just completely crystal. And then it changed from like uh, a quartz crystal that is, um, you know, three-dimensional material to like a, a liquid quartz feeling. Hmm. Um, and, you know, I never had those sensations really prior to being in the presence of, of the Mitchell Hedges skull. And, um, and it, you know, as a practitioner of like, you know, chi energy, uh, it, it just, I could just feel it activate you know, my hands turned super red and, you know, just a bunch of other signs about, you know, that that I was uh, engaged in it. And, I, did, you know, I wasn't doing like a, um, a, like a super intense practice. I was just sort of like in its uh, aura, if you want to call it that. And it just, the connection just happened automatically. So I'll let mm -hmm. Heidi, or I'm happy, you know, talk about what she's done with the... Um, Mitchell Hedges skull. Yeah, well, you I know, want I to hear from you, Happy, but let me just ask this question yeah. first because there's a lot of people that say this is an alien construct, uh, that this is a time machine that has cataloged all of the history of the planet, and I was wondering if either one of you had an experience of where this thing came from, who made it. Well, you know, I, I, I don't know that I really um, could tell you who made it or where it came from, but I, I had a very unusual experience. It, you know, at the, when I went to the event for the, the Mitchell Hedges skull, the moment I walked, even before I walked in the room, I could feel it like humming or thrumming even beyond the room. And, and it's one of the most, it's one of the strongest, most palpable crystal energy experiences I've, I've ever felt. I was actually really amazed about how powerful it was. And um, I remember, like, sitting down, I went into a completely altered state. It's like the crystal went right into my body, and I could look at my body as though it were an X-ray. It's like I could see wow. through my own body. And, um, oh and so I had, like, these really bizarre um, Inter interactions with that. I mean, like, so people were asking, there was a woman in the room that was representing the skull, and, and then people were asking her questions and getting answers in the skull, and she was channeling it, but I could hear the skull answering before the channel would even answer the skull, okay? Oh. And um, mm -hmm. I, mean, I answered the people in the room, and I even had this experience where I could see, like, this, um, this, like, uh, this, like, like, I, so it was this weird ladder extending way out into space, and all of these 
these light beings came down the ladder and came into the room and they started like administering to and healing people in the room. Oh, and, um, and I, I knew they were like beings from somewhere else. And, and they were like trying to heal people because of course people were there trying to get healed by the skull. And, um, and there were these unseen beings in the room healing them. It, it really was one of the strangest experiences I've ever had because I, I can't say, like, I see these things all the time, okay? I try to stay a little bit more grounded, but that was really powerful. So then I was there with a friend who does Reiki as well, and we had a private session with Mitchell Hedges with Bill Holman, who is the keeper of the skull. And so all three of us were in the room, and he allowed us to, like, touch the skull. And so my... My friend who's a Reiki practitioner and I, we put our hands on there and so did Bill. And it's like all three of us were connected to major nodes on the planet, like Stonehenge, Karnak. I mean, like really powerful places on the planet. And it's like we could connect in and then like radiate like these really powerful frequencies, like say peace or harmony or love to all these major nodes where really powerful crystals existed. And, uh, hmm. and that, to me, is that Shintamani matrix right there. And so yeah, I think it. these crystal skulls can really help us network into the Shintamani matrix. You know, I, no, I, I can't say how real they are or not, but the, whatever is going on with Mitchell Hedges' skull, it is Palpably powerful. And with these skulls, there's supposed to be a certain amount of them. What is it, eight or nine total around the world? And I think some of them have been missing for a while, and people have been waiting for them to be found again. I've just heard so many different stories about this. Have you heard these as well? Yes. You know, like there's one in the British Museum that, you know, that was, that, that's there, that's, uh, there's uh, the Mitchell Hedges. And then, oddly enough, we discovered that there was another skull that's in Tucson called Synergy. And, uh, and, it's, and uh, Synergy's keeper is, is here. Um, so there seems to be a lot. And I attended a few um, sessions in Sedona. There was a, probably about eight, eight years ago, or so, there were a number of um, indigenous grandmothers who came and they brought their skulls from around the world and they, they were bringing them together in this um, ceremonial um, fashion to uh, help bless people and also help you know, initiate a greater healing, uh, unity awareness of people on the planet. Um, you know, that, that sort of vibration that they were trying to create. And so mm-hmm. uh, they, they admitted that there were some that were not present. Um, yeah. But that there, there's probably, there's like main skulls, and then there are maybe like, like you could call them like lesser skulls. Uh, and they do seem to have, besides energy, they do have information. But you have to be able to ask questions and receive. And everybody doesn't have that interface with the skulls where they can get 
um, you know, data from them. I would love to see the Mitchell Hedges uh, skull in person. Have you ever seen it, Michelle? No, I haven't, but I think it would be phenomenal, and I, I feel like it would just talk to you on whatever level you can hear it, whether that's feelings, emotions, words, but that vibration, it almost just talking about it, I can feel the vibration of it kind of penetrating things, right? Uh, yes, it definitely penetrates. I mean, like I said, like I, it penetrated me so deeply that I could see my body uh, uh, like an x-ray. Mhm. That's intense. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, it's that's fascinating very how you were talking about these um, kind of beings that were coming down to heal people and work on them. So um, at some level, the skull kind of was like, okay, they're here, they're ready, and here come the beams of light to help heal people. Yeah. They. They. And they. They were. Yeah. They were like these. Like they were white beams of light, and there were several that came in the room. And then at some point, what happened is like. There was also like some sort of meditation or mantra they did kind of at the end of their crystal skull event. And then the beings formed a circle to help facilitate all of us to receive peace and light. I mean, it was, wow. it was really amazing. Gosh, that's beautiful. Well, I wonder if those other skulls are going to surface. I mean, we're in very unusual times, let me put it that way. So I'm wondering if the other ones will will show themselves and then we'll finally have all of them that we can bring together. That would make for a powerful grid. It absolutely yeah. would. <laughs> An amazing grid. Yes. You know, and I do know what you're talking about when a, a stone calls to you. Years ago, I was in Egypt at the museum, and there was a stone in one of Tutankhamun's bracelets. And it was a beautiful blue lapis, and it just caught my eye, and then I I felt compelled to stand next to it in this case, and I really wanted to steal it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think that was a good idea because there's so many guards around. Uh, But it was this strong feeling like this this is mine. I I must have this. So I stood there for the longest time, and I'm sure I raised some suspicion, but it really had a strong pull for me. Just that one piece of lapis that was in the center of this gorgeous gold bracelet. So anyways, uh, yeah, sometimes I guess you can have these powerful experiences that come out of nowhere. So it was something. I'll never forget it. You know, and um, if it's in Tutankhamun's bracelet, I mean, you know, you're also dealing with all the other crystals around it. I mean, you know, the Egyptians, they thought lapis was more valuable than gold. They, um, yeah. they, they thought they, they highly valued lapis, and I think it's because they knew the power of lapis. Um, and lapis takes one into a very deep space through the third eye, um, into inner inner knowing, um, and and then has other minerals in it too that do that activate other parts of our body. But um, yeah, you you can go into a very deep meditative state with lapis. It's like I think it pulls you into even like say um, you know uh, like who you are at your core, like like getting to know your soul. Hmm. 
Well, that's, that's, amazing. that's really interesting. Is this, yeah. Do you feel like people have to be sensitive to to crystals to have this experience with them? Or do you, because, you know, I've met a range of people. Some people feel nothing from crystals or stones. Some people feel so much like what you guys are talking about. Do you have to kind of have that sensitivity to it for it to be able to be helpful or help you go into that deep meditative state or the healing energy? No, I think I think you can get benefit from it, even if you feel like you don't feel it. The mm-hmm. thing is, is your body can. It's just the sometimes our mind is not allowing us to have that perception. And I deal with this a lot in one-on-one sessions. And I try to help people kind of break through that because what I have them do is is close their eyes and just pick a crystal base of a, on a vibration they're sensing with their hand, and everyone feels it. I mean, it's very mm-hmm. rare. I would say out of 100 people, there will be one that can't feel anything, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so we actually do feel it. It's just that our mind is telling us we don't. Okay. Uh, here's another question for you. I'll, I'll often hear my friends say, you know, oh, it's a full moon. Put your crystals in the window tonight to charge them. Do we need to charge our crystals, or are they just innately charged and carrying that? Well, I have a... Well, first I'll say there, there were some study. There was a study done actually here at the University of Arizona in Tucson several years ago, where they found that if you put quartz crystal in the moon, it will clear noise in the crystal. Okay, and they did. They oh. actually measured this with a like a Raman spectrometer. Okay. So mm-hmm. what the what the moon does is actually clears the noise of the crystal so that it's a clearer space that you can actually set intention into now. And, you know, the oh. whole point of maybe doing that is actually when you're working with it is to actually embed intention into quartz because quartz is a, is a quantum holder of information. You can actually put intention into it. So, wow. so you use the full moon, yeah, to charge them, but also to clear them, okay? Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm always telling, sometimes I think people get a little obsessive about the whole clearing part of it. Remember, the crystals mm-hmm. have been here before we were born, and they'll be here after we're done, okay? The crystals are really doing okay. And it's really we that we, that we need to work more on our own clearing. And um, so that we can be a more clearer frequency for working with the crystals. I mean, it's good to clear crystals, but you don't need to be obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And let me ask you this question, because this is not my belief. I believe, you know, all crystals are good. But I've had people tell me before, I've, I came in, in contact with this crystal and it just had evil energy. Um, that's not something I've ever experienced because I feel like they all are innately good or positive. But have you ever had any interesting experiences like that? Well, you know, all right. Well, let's let's talk about cursed diamonds for a moment, okay? So, in fact, we get into this in the book. All right. In fact, what I did once is I went to the Smithsonian. And I purpose, my purpose was to go visit the Hope Diamond, which is considered a cursed stone. Because, like you, I don't really believe in cursed crystals. So, so I went there, and I um, and I decided to stand in front of the stone and and.
do this Reiki process of sending like, you know, loving energy into the crystal because since it's a blue diamond, I thought, you know, you just need to connect mentally with like, you know, you know, feelings of love and stuff and then it's going to radiate out. Diamonds do refract light in a very special way and I think the Hope Diamond's really powerful. Now, what I noticed when I was standing in front of the case um, is that the crystal was extremely powerful and it really pulled me in, okay? And I wasn't really expecting this. And it was bouncing off everything I was trying to put into it. Like, it was acting like this means nothing to me. And I was wow. really surprised by this. Like, because quartz does mm-hmm. not behave this way. But this is a diamond. That's carbon. So um, after a period of time, what happened is the diamond pulled me into it and then started, like, cleansing and clearing me and basically told me that I was the one that had the problem and that <laughs> I needed to be cleansed and cleared and the diamond was okay. Oh I mean, it kind goodness. of slapped me up. It slapped my ego up the side of the head is what it did. And then wow. that's when I realized that hope diamond is not cursed. It's the people who are, you know, who may be holding it or bearing it, and they may have, like, say, selfish motivations or they're, they're not pure or they don't have the right kind of karma to work with such a powerful crystal. And, um, and so diamonds in particular, what they do is they amplify radiant energy. And so if you're, if you're wearing a diamond and you're sending out negative energy, the diamond will give that back to you because it refracts light and bounces it back. It's like a boomerang. And, um, mm-hmm. and so the diamonds in particular are the ones to probably, and I don't want to make people afraid of them, but like one really needs to monitor how they're using their power and their intention and their feelings when wearing a a big diamond. Hmm. Yeah, because I've heard that diamonds are more like a laser in in how they can help with focus. So, yeah, I can see where if someone has a big diamond on, that that could could create a laser-like effect. The the person wearing it may not even be aware. That's exactly right. I've actually been, there's been times I've told people who, maybe were in big transitions and they weren't feeling good about their lives, I've actually told them, take their big diamonds off, give them a break, go wear some healing stones, and then go back to the diamond and set a new intention with it when putting it back on, you know, when they're in a better space in their life. That sounds like great advice. Jeez. Now, John Dennis, you do feng shui for people. You're a feng shui consultant. Do you yes. have people put certain crystals in different parts of their homes or workspace to get a better result? Yes, I do. Um, each of the, you know, there's uh, different places in your in your house, of course, uh, that are more sensitive. The, and the main one is like the, what's, you know, known as the wealth corner, which would be sort of like... Um, kitty corner from from the you know the entryway of any room whether you know whether the room opens to the right or to the left and uh and just because of the way that your own chi flows through the room that spot collects energy more and so um 
in those corners, you want to have a symbol of what you want, you know, what, what your, your intention in a sense. But you're, it's a pictorial uh, representation. So, you, you know, you have to be really careful with the picture. But uh, there are certain things that will amplify, you know, that symbol. And so the, one of them, of course, is crystals. Uh, any living plant will also, uh, you know, amplify as well. But if the plant dies, then it, you know, it removes it. But uh, you can have um, one or two, you know, like certain crystals that go into place. So it's like if you have, uh, like, let's say, um, a, a heart chakra sort of thing, like a love or relationship sort of thing that, that is your intention, then you would put maybe a, a, a crystal or mineral that has green in it, which, you know, uh, resonates with the, with the heart chakra. Uh, so you can, you can sort of like use the color system to pick uh, a stone that you, or a crystal or a set of minerals that you would put in that, in your wealth corner. Mhm. Now, is so is there a wealth corner in every single room in your house? Uh the way that I have been trained and what I've found, you know, just experimentally is yes, that's that's true. And then the the wealth of every one of these uh, is like if it's your office, let's say, then that corner is like all about your career intentions or your work intentions, right? Mm -hmm. If it's your um, living room, it's about your major uh, intention. But if it's you know if it's like a family, then it's like you you're sort of like uh, there's a group of people there. It's 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 a, like a group intention. Um, if it's your bedroom, it's either a personal development or a relationship. Uh, that's usually the the wealth of that place. If it's your dining room, it's how you nurture yourself, like you know, physically on one level, food, but certainly on another level, uh, you know, what is it that you choose to feed your spirit with? What are you nurturing yourself oh, with? So it's like if you just take the function of the room, uh, then the wealth corner of that room is like open for you to put a simple that reflects your intention for that section of your life. Mm-hmm. I need this done in my house. <laughs> okay. I, I really do because, I, you know, it, it does make a difference for energy flow and and things like that. And I have some very strange rooms in my house, and I'm sure they, they could benefit from your wisdom when it comes to feng shui. Do you do this long distance, John Dennis, or do you have to be there to actually create the changes? Uh, I do it both ways. Uh, I mean, of course, it's easiest for me if I'm, like, present in a spot, but uh, a lot of times if people, you know, just take pictures of different rooms and things like that, and, and then if they sort of, like, draw the shape of their room, I can get a sense of um, what's going on and then just by sort of like question and answer, I can figure out what, you know, what, what is going on in that room. That is so interesting. Now, can you energetically um, 
do energetically fill the room, I guess is what I want to say. You energetically fill it? Yeah. So, like, if I said, um, okay, here's my office. It's, like, 12 by 12 and, you know, kind of gave you a basic idea. Can you, can you t- kind of tap into the energy and be like, oh, I can feel like it's a little off? Or is it this truly like a visual where you need to see it? Sometimes I can feel it, but it, it, it's easier for me because I'm more of a visual person. If I, if I see a picture of the room and I see, the, and I see the, what's a picture in it, because if, if I rely on somebody to describe what's in their house, they, mm-hmm. they filter what they are experiencing. And then oh. it may not be what I it may not be what I see. They'll say, "Oh, I have this beautiful picture," um, and and then I'll look at it and I'll go, "Those people that are in that picture look really sad," and they will say, "Well, I got this from my grandmother," you know, and so they feel obligated to put the picture up someplace in their home, even if it's sort of like a melancholy photo, and you know, they're trying to be happy and. But they may, especially if they talk about their life and they're experiencing a lot of melancholy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, that picture's influencing them. Yes, yes, that's right. Yes, I can see where it would, you need to see it yourself to know how to advise them. And sometimes them people, you know, visualize that they'll say, oh, I don't have any clutter in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody else might go in and say, Oh wow, that place is it's, it's like a museum. Um, so uh, you know, there's there's that kind of there's that perception of things, and then then you know some some people that are like uh, total minimalists, they don't even have things that are activating their own um, intentions. I mean, they're so minimal that they don't you know attend to their own manifesting of what what they want in their life you know and so then that mm-hmm. has to go in there so it's not like a blessing to be a minimalist or or to have a lot of things it's just whatever you have you have to have you have to use it artfully and it has to support your um, your intention because that's really the the key to it so in another way you could say that a house is like a chintamani in that it's a wish fulfilling gem or it's a wish fulfilling um, energy and people describe their homes right as being like oh well, this is my dream home and it may be something that they designed but if if it doesn't bring them the things that they wanted in life no matter what they intended you know it's not like a real dream right? it's not manifesting right. their dreams yeah yeah exactly. now is there one crystal that is universal and everybody, if you're going to just own one, it should be this one to have in your house. Is there, is there anything that's like a one-size-fits-all, everybody should own one of these? I, I, I would say it's quartz crystal, just a clear, mm-hmm. clear quartz. And the reason for that is that because it's clear, a quartz is sort of like an adaptogen. It, it, um, it, it will adapt to what you need it to do. You can clear it. You can program it with an intention. You can't just program intention to any crystal, but clear quartz you can. And so Mm. it's great for meditation. It's great for clearing, for manifesting. You really can't go wrong with clear quartz. 
That's wonderful to know. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's good information. What about the Vogel crystals? Because I've heard those, the way that Marcel Vogel would cut these crystals, it made them so much more powerful. Yeah, I, I own Vogel crystals, and I work with them quite a bit. In fact, I work with one daily. I, I'm very fond of them. Um, they're, but they're not for everyone. Okay, so several years ago when I was doing lectures in crystal energy, I was so proud of my Vogel crystals, I'd bring them into the lecture, and I'd pass them around. And some people, some people's energy was so, I don't know, out of or something, they were blowing the tips off the Vogels, okay? Oh, my God. And um, so I quit doing that quickly, okay? So, yeah. you know, I notice a lot of Reiki practitioners work with the Vogels because what they do is when you're holding a Vogel, and like I say you're doing healing, the Vogel will amplify the healing energy coming through the practitioner's arm and will amplify kind of like a laser, Okay, focus it, amplify it, you know, probably even purify it, energize the frequency. They can be really powerful. But what they're doing, because of the, the geometry that he used, um, you know, he, he, he found a way of, like, actually, in, like, um, increasing or amplifying the, the radiant energy of clear quartz through those cups. It's definitely a much more powerful crystal. I know that, again, a long time ago I had to have surgery, and I didn't know this, but they were going to use a breathing tube. Well, when I got back home, everything was fine, but I had this horrible sore throat. And one of my friends had a Vogel crystal, and she used it on my throat, and within a matter of seconds, that pain and discomfort was gone and it never came back that was from the vocal yeah. crystal and of course her ability you know to to know how to use it but yeah it was well, yeah, so because, yeah because it was it was her the, her heat and her her intention and her healing energies that were activating the quartz and then sending it through and, and amplifying it so it again yeah. it's like it, 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 you, the, the way she was using the Vogel is very much like the Shintamani. It's the mind crystal, like your mind affecting the crystal and, um, mm-hmm. and, and your intentional energy. But um, now, now but I have noticed that it, if you're first starting off in crystal energy and you want to find one to work with, I would not start with a Vogel crystal. Um, I think it's, much more useful to start off like like with a quartz crystal that's more of a natural point, like where nature made it just a natural faceted point because the frequency of that kind of a crystal is more in alignment with like our body and uh, and it's uh and that's an easier energy to deal with or if you're first working with quartz crystal energy and you're not familiar with like say Reiki and energy states um yeah, the vocals are really, really too powerful for a lot of people. Hmm. Yeah, that could mm-hmm. be. They're beautiful, what though. What color is a Chintamani crystal? Do they, do they come in different colors, or is it always one color? What, 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 you know, so, so now, now, we're got, got, now we're getting into a mystical, mystical part of this discussion. Okay, okay like, like what, what is a Chintamani? Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know... 
we have we spend a whole book discussing this. Okay, because it's kind of, I think it's a little bit of a conundrum. You know, um, there are some people who say saccharide is a, is the shintamani, okay, which is a kind of like a blackish tectite glass. Some people think moldavite is the shintamani. You know, I, actually, I think what really is the shintamani is the is the like a quintessential essence that is it within each crystal and could even be the potential of that crystal. But it's also um, humans interfacing with that crystal and the human and the crystal in that interface are meeting their potential and creating a field that goes beyond um, our, our, what we consider our normal dimension. Okay, in other mm-hmm. words, breaking through maybe into a fifth dimension, um, breaking through to a spiritual dimension, um, you know, breaking the barriers of what we think is possible. Um, and that, to me, is really what the Shintamani is, is working with a crystal or even creating a crystal within oneself and breaking through into these other barriers, breaking through barriers and meeting our potential. Um, so mm-hmm. I think we're, the true Chintamani to me is not strictly an earthbound crystal. Um, okay. Now you can you, you can use an earthbound crystal to get to the spirit stone of the Chintamani, but but I wouldn't rely on like if you get a piece of moldavite or a saffrodite that that is the Chintamani. Like you still have to work with that stone and and you still have to work on your own spiritual development to raise the frequency um, and even bring up the frequency of that crystal. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so, so these Shintamani crystals, I mean, they really can help you break through into other dimensions and to see into yeah. other dimensions. That's amazing. Yes. Plus wow. They're a guide. They are a guide in your own life quest. So mm-hmm. you could, as you use the this uh, Chintamani gem, it will um, guide you on the next steps that you need to do in life. You know, what is it that you're trying to uncover? You know, where do you need to go next? What do you need to do next? Uh, how do you need to do it? And then uh, it sort of, you know, can lead you step by step. Yeah, it it does sound to me like an oversoul crystal. It's uh it it that's what it sounds like to me. It's it's so different and so powerful in its connection, in its place. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I I think I do think it's sort of, I, I think ultimately I, the Chintamani is like um is it, it could could be the essence in all crystals that makes them alive, but even more, it, I think it's an interdimensional crystal. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yes. I mean, I've had clients over the years that every once in a while they'll have a dream when I was doing dream analysis, and something will, or someone will speak to them kind of from the heavens in their dream. It's their own oversoul. But this crystal mm-hmm. feels like it's the same kind of thing. It's so advanced and so higher consciousness. I mean, it's beyond higher consciousness is what you're talking about. And, you know, and ultimately, I think, 
I think there's a little bit of obsession with crystals collectively for thousands of years. We're all looking for the to connect with the magic talisman. It's almost like Gollum in the rain. Okay, and like even like mm-hmm. the way you were talking about like the lapis and Tutankhamun and the, my association with the Hope Diamond, which kind of got into me for a while. I got a little obsessed. But I think yeah. what we're really connecting to that energy is the Chintamani. It's not yeah. completely about just the physicality of that stone. It's like the soul of the crystal. Yeah, I mean, it just sounds like from everything that you have researched and experienced also that there's this is just the tip of the iceberg for what this really is. Oh, I agree. It is. And I think that, like, like as crystal energy, like, you see, like, like people collecting crystals, working with crystal energy, it's gotten, like, there's been an increase in it. But I think, I think we're on the verge of making a breakthrough about what, what crystal and matter really is, about the molecular structure of crystals, mind over matter in crystals. And it kind of, I think, takes us into this notion of this, this, this term that we call tachyolithic. And, you know, I'm going to actually ask John Dennis, how would you, how would you define the word tachyolithic? What is that? Uh, well, uh, the lithic part is easy because it means stone, like monolithic and you know paleolithic and and that. And tachyo, tachyo is like from the tachyon, which is uh, a theoretical part, particle that can move faster than light. So we sort of put those two together to like describe this. Um, quality of something that seems to be, it's, it's a stone, and yet it has the ability to have a quantum connection with um, intention. And so um, it, it's definitely like, a, it's a paradox. It's a, it's a paradox, and, you know, being able to describe it doesn't um, get at the bottom of it, but you, but you can use it. That's the other thing. There's a practical application to these these um, crystals. So it's a quality of the of crystals. And there's been some scientific research that crystals have like an inherent technology to be able to couple with your intention and and to accelerate it to connect with the necessary parts of of your intention that need to manifest and to create the field of energy that integrates it and pulls it into your life. And it seems like this is the right time for people to to really understand this because I mean, let's face it, we live in some unusual I mean, for for us that have been on the planet a long time like me, I mean with the advent of Amazon, you know, we've come to expect things to happen quickly. You know, we press a button and there's the package. It's mm-hmm. it's so different from years ago when you had to wait two weeks for the mail to deliver it. You know, it's like, no, it's instant. I just, you know, do a click and there it is. So I know a lot of people over the years have gotten frustrated 
with being told you can manifest whatever you want, you know, it's, it's if you can't, it's because you're in the way, and yeah, okay, all of that's probably true. But when you can connect, as you mentioned, to a crystal, the crystal inside of you, then you have a a more likely chance of, of having less frustration and more manifestation because the crystal can help with that, with the clearing, with the manifestation. So all of that can take place. And I'm sure you see that when you work with people and they are drawn to certain crystals. As you mentioned, Happy, some of them have mineral deficiencies and they're drawn exactly to those crystals. But all of this feels like everything's speeding up even more than before. And the crystals seem to be playing a big part of that. I think they absolutely. I think they absolutely have, have and are doing that. Um, and I think that's part of what the, uh, that the that the crystals actually do. And it's a funny part of our collective karma because one of the the things about manifestation is we're manifest manifesting in a um, Saturn world, and and the big quality of Saturn is delay. So manifestation on this planet always involves delay. <laughs> it, it doesn't yeah. happen instantly. Yeah, um, it but sure doesn't. It, but if we have other things, like like these crystals, and we start to employ them, uh, we can end up changing the dynamic of, of the delay factor. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I need a few of those crystals that will make yeah. things speed up for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. I'm all for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We need those. We need that connection. Are there any specific crystals that do help with just I don't know, making things move a little faster. I know when we have Mercury retrograde, we have a number of those times throughout the year. Is there anything that can uh, basically help with that? Because that can be very frustrating. Well, you know, um, you, you know, in astrology, Mercury, the crystal for Mercury is the emerald. All right. And, um, oh, okay. And, and, and Mercury is how we think and communicate. That's how that's, that's its function, like say in astrology, you know. And so, so then when we're, when Mercury goes into retrograde, that means thinking, communication, and everything Mercury rules, like you know, the basically communications in the world and electronic functions, kind of like slows down or breaks down or whatever. But I think the real function of Mercury retrograde actually has to do with. We literally need to slow down and stop moving forward so fast. Turn around and reflect. Mm-hmm. What have we been doing? And are we going the right direction? Um, and of course, our world is not oriented this way. But the point of the emerald is get out of your head and start talking more to your heart. Because a lot of problems that we have with Mercury retrograde are so much in our head, moving like a racehorse, that we forget that we're organic beings and our emotions move like more like turtles. And so yeah. it's a little bit like when you wear an emerald over your heart, okay, the emerald energy is like pulling you back into your heart center, remembering I'm a soul, I'm a human being having an organic experience, I'm not just my mind. And, mm. um, and so... Emerald works really well with 
Mercury retrograde, not that it's going to take, it, it's, it's not so much like it's going to take care of all the problems with communication and systems, but it's going to shift your perception like, oh, you know what, this went down because I need to slow down myself and I need to maybe go do work on something else, like my creative projects or I need a retreat or I need to do some journaling. I need to slow down. Um, yeah. and, and reflect, reflect on, on what, what I've been, been doing. doing. Now, outside of that, like, you know, there's many other crystals you can use, too. I mean, and in fact, I frequently have found, even in my own practice, there's four major crystals I think are the movers and the shakers of the mineral kingdom. And you're probably going to be surprised about these because they're not expensive and they're not fancy. The first one is quartz. Quartz brings in energy. It's an adaptogen. Um, it starts healing our auric field. It starts shifting our energy more into a frequency that is more harmonic. Happy, I hate to interrupt, so, but we're going to be running out of time. So if you could give us the next three crystals before the end of the oh, show, yeah. that so would the, be great. The next one is going to be selenite, which is great for clearing okay, and aligning. And then mm-hmm. calcite, which is really good for, for structure in our lives. And the last one is fluorite which helps to get things to flow and clears up blockages. So those, I think, are four that people should collect if they're going to work with crystal energy, quartz, selenite, calcite, and fluorite. That's great. Well, thank you both so much. This, I've learned so much tonight, I know. How about you, Michelle? What did you think? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like I just got a whole education. It's perfect and exactly what <laughs> I, I need. <laughs> this is yeah, well, great, you guys. Thank you for having us on the show. Oh, total pleasure, really. Thank you both so much. And uh, give us your website again so people will know how to get in touch with you. Yes, it's ChintamaniMatrix.com. Super. Well, thanks again, you guys, and we'll be back next week, everybody, with another great show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. 
But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC. 